And uh, we're doing it for the beginning of the year. There's a lot in Luke. It'll be great um, going through it with, with Mark. He's been doing a great job teaching us, preparing lessons of the midweek. Uh, and uh, I think today it's quite fitting that we're talking about good and the bad fruit. Uh, as it's Mother's Day. Uh, certainly for me, uh, my mother was a real, a real nurturer. It was great to be a kid in my, in my family. Um, my mum was loving, uh, cuddly, uh, lots of physical contact, um, hence why I'm like that now. <laughs> and um, uh, and uh, we, we, we had um, a good time growing up as, uh, as children uh, because of my mother's love. My, my mother also had Shao, uh, was 19 years of age uh, and was pregnant at the wedding altar when she was with my older brother. Uh, I was the only planned one in the middle. Uh, and then my sister, lots of was an accident, uh, got a good accident. And uh, you know, mothers, they nurture. And uh, you know, anything that needs to grow uh, and be healthy needs nurture. It needs feeding. My mum's a good cook. Uh, I miss her uh, meat potato pie. I miss her Sunday roasts. And uh, we need care and attention. Um, we need protection. And we'll talk about that in more detail as we go through together this morning. As we preach through um, this morning, uh, we're going to read together uh, verses 43 to 45. And um, just to give you a bit of a background to start you off, um, Jesus is still preaching on the plane here. Uh, he's still teaching his own disciples, seeing the opportunities to speak to them. Uh, and not just his own 12 disciples, but a, a wider crowd. And maybe even some religious leaders and Pharisees maybe even dotted in there. And uh, I, I think he's, he's aware of. So, leading on from uh, what we may have studied this week, um, about judging others, which is the, the scripture of the main get together that got together this week, and yeah. talking about judging others, about the speck. Uh, and, and the planks in our eyes. Uh, we got together the brothers. I turned up with my plank. Everybody else turned up with their specs. And we talked about, you know, uh, my four by four, and everybody else's speck. No, we didn't. But that's what, that's what we, we did. And then um, Jesus here is going on from talking about judging others, and now he's almost giving us some tips on how we go about judging in terms of what it looks like. What is a good tree? What is a bad tree? And I've got three points for you this morning. First point is the telling evidence. Um, a healthy tree. And number three, uh, exhaust emissions. I'm not thinking, what does that mean? But I'll come to it. Let's read the passage first. Who's got a Bible? Who wants to read verse, uh, chapter 6, verses 43 to 45? Even those two verses, 
it is very deep. And um, it, there's a lot in here, believe it or not. So Jesus is talking about judging and how we judge, uh, what it means. But why is he doing this? Why is Jesus giving us these tips? What's the danger? What is he concerned about for us? Jesus takes the opportunity to tell his disciples not to be naive. To take a little, uh, a look a little deeper. To see what's maybe under the hood. What's the fruit? Can you imagine? <coughs> You're the Ferrari in this garage. It looks beautiful. You used to open the hood and you see the hunky truck engine in the middle. <laughs> it wouldn't be very good, would it? But that's not a Ferrari. It looks like a Ferrari on the outside, but on the inside it's a battered old six-cylinder. Who knows what? <laughs> Who knows what's under the hood? Now, we have to look under the hood to see what its real performance is really like. It might be just made of plastic. It might be a 3D model. We don't know. Maybe we even have to take it for a drive. Test drive, see what it's like. It's a bit like this. <laughs> the real deal. The champion of our champions. Of <laughs> Europe and the UK and the FA Cup many, many times. 20 times, in fact. Against something like the great pretender of Luton <laughs> Town. The glory is yet to come. Or maybe even Liverpool. <laughs> we have to scratch the surface. We have to have a look. Underneath <laughs> the sea, what is really going on? You might have heard it said. Is he the real deal? Is it the real McCoy? And maybe if you like Budweiser, the genuine article. I hate Budweiser. <laughs> or maybe it's a Fugazi. You know, you make me hear of a um, Fugazi if you're. In the Bronx, and you're in part of the mob. A fugazi was a it was a fake. It's a fake. You're a, you're a forgery. You're not a real part of the mob. You're not a real gangster. You're a fugazi. Might have seen the film Blade Roscoe. <laughs> you're a false. You're a thief. You're an identity stealer. You're a great pretender. You're an impersonator. You're an impressionist. I like impressionists. And I was a, a child. Me and my brother loved watching this guy called Phil Cool in the eighties or nineties. And they could literally change his face to look like somebody else. His face was made of rubber. And you could make his face change of like, it become Ronald Reagan in his face. He didn't look like Ronald Reagan, he was a great impressionist. But underneath, he wasn't the real deal. He wasn't really Ronald Reagan, Ronald looked like him. Now, Jesus doesn't want us to be easily impressed by what's on the outside, but to scratch the surface. Jesus says that in verse 44 here, that, uh, sorry, later on, that every tree is known by its fruit. The fruit of a tree doesn't lie. Now, it is possible that uh, maybe we could plant a tree, it's not bearing fruit, or, you know, it's not really a fruit tree. And we could go over to that tree, so we tie some pears onto it with a bit of string. And go, that's a pear tree. There we go. There's my tree. There's little stringers of pears hanging off it. Do you like my pear tree? But it'd be pretty, pretty obvious that actually it's not really a pear tree. You've just wasted time putting some pears on it. No shortcuts to be 
producing good fruit. Good, 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 uh, good fruit. A tree has to be planted. Has to have uh, soil and, and time to uh, time to grow and things and develop. So we're going to play a little game here called Guess the Tree. So I know there's a few in here who probably know the answer, but especially you're looking at Joe. Joe, Joe this is his I job, know. you know. But this tree is missing. <laughs> these trees, what are these trees missing? Yeah. These trees are missing something. What are they missing? They're missing their they're missing their fruit. So, do we know what this tree is here? Anybody got any idea? Penny thinks she knows. She thinks it's a banana tree. And Penny would be right, it's a banana tree. But only one person out of the whole room knew that. How about this one here? This could be anything, couldn't it? It could be. Don't put a Okay, Rob, please. Sorry. Okay. Citrus tree to me. Definitely a citrus tree. It is an orange tree. It is an orange tree. Close. Orange is there. And this one, it's kind of the shape of it gives it away a little bit. But they're not always shaped like this. But who knows what this tree is? Pear tree, it is. It is. So we're kind of, we, 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 no, we're not too, doing too bad. But it was a little bit difficult, wasn't it? Unless you really eat your trees. And they hug them, you know. <laughs> but how much easier would it have been to recognise them trees if they were bearing fruit? Yes. Anyone can say, oh, it's a pear tree, why is that a pear tree? Because it's got pears on it. They're the pears. You know, Jesus here, I really believe, he knows that it's in the earshot of the religious leaders and the Pharisees. And he's trying to teach his disciples that their religion has been corrupted. Or they have corrupted good religion. And it can be seen by the outcome of their lives. The heavy burden and judgment they place on other people, they class as sinners. But what's inside can't help but being displayed on the outside, if you look a little deeper. But it's really difficult to tell a tree without the fruit. It's much easier with the fruit. And Jesus says in Matthew 20 that by their fruits they will know them. And in Jude 12 we read about it says in, in Jude 12 it says late autumn trees uh, uh, bearing no fruit. Here Jude refers to false teachers who make profession but do not produce the fruit. But what is good fruit? How does it look? How does it taste? Or what about its tree? You know, Paul writes in Galatians 5 verse 19, we've all probably stood the scripture, but the fruits of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And what about bad fruit? What does bad fruit look like? He goes on to say, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, 
fortification for uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of, of which I have told you beforehand, just as I have told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, to determine a good tree from the bad tree, we have to look at the telling evidence. We have to look at the fruit, the outcome of one's way of life. I, um, they've modernised this TV show at the moment called Through the Cave Keyhole. And uh, I, remember, I remember the old programme I used to watch. And I remember, I remember uh, we used to have to guess who it was by their items and their homes and what they had inside their homes. And I remember, I remember the gentleman's name used to go um, through the keyhole. Let's take a look inside. And do you remember that? You know? <laughs> I used to really, really, really like watching that program, trying to, protect, trying to guess who it was. And um, normally you have a good idea if it is when you start looking at the evidence of someone's life. You know, if it's a guitar or you know, it's a musician. You, know, you, you can tell by the evidence of their lives who that person is. But these scriptures are not just for the Pharisees, for the harsh religious leaders of the time. They're also for us. It's not just about Jesus wanting us to point the finger and judge people and not be naive. But I think to reflect on our own fruit. Um, Jesus' teachings are often multi-layered. It's amazing that when he speaks, there's something input for us and some advice for us, but actually we can think about that advice not just for others but for ourselves. <coughs> How are we doing in this area? What do we need? We need a healthy tree. Let's think about a real tree, for example. What would we need to produce a nice, sweet apple? First of all, we'd have to start with planting the seed, wouldn't we? What else would we need to produce a nice, sweet apple? Good soil. Look at that. That's the next one. What else would we need?
Jesus knows that we are all capable of producing good and bad fruit. So why, why the warning? I think the warning because our next decision or choice could be a catalyst for a good or a bad outcome. Our lives are a series of choices and then we live with the good or bad consequences of those choices. And they also affect those around, them, around us. Trees that get a disease normally pass that disease on if we're not careful. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 that bad company corrupts good character. We can all be deceived and we can all be influenced. Jesus is giving us a warning that we do, don't become like religious beings, that we don't become religious, but our, our religion is based on pure noble things, the fruits of the Spirit. But surely what does that look like for us? But surely it's got to affect the way we make our decisions in our lives. Are they based on God's standards? Are they based on His work? Are we careful what we let into our lives? What we listen to? What we watch on TV? What we read? The major decisions of our lives? Who we marry? Where we live? What jobs we take? Are these decisions aiding us to, strong, to stay strong branches of Jesus' tree and His roots? What we what we put in will eventually be displayed on the outside in our fruits. But what are the ways to do this? What about when we have no strength to look after one's tree? It's difficult when we feel numb, when we feel hurt and angry, when we feel really, really sad or when we feel self-doubting. You know, Jesus says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. So neither you, so neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I am in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, um, there's definitely times in my life where I've gone through times like this where I feel hurt, angry, self-doubting, numb. And I, I can't fight the fight anymore. I can't, I don't, I can't even look after my own tree. I, I can't look after my own branch. I, I haven't got the spiritual energy or the, I'm too sad to want to fight that fight. To, to even think about producing good fruit. I'm not in that space. Especially when, you know, at a time when my parents had died, my parents died, um, it was difficult for me. I wanted to run away. I was angry at God. And we lose the ability to look after ourselves, I think, sometimes when we're like that. We're weak, and we don't want to fight anymore. But Jesus says, we just need to remain in the vine. You know, without friends in my life, without my wife Becky, without the people who have really loved me, no matter what, and it's accepted me who I am at that point in time, I met me where I'm at, um, I've been able to remain in the vine. We all play that part in the church. How are we doing with that? 
How are we doing with making sure that every branch is healthy? Every tree can have a bad season. But that tree can go on to produce amazing fruit for next year. You know, the amazing thing about Jesus and his kingdom is that it's never too late for us to decide to produce good fruit. The disease of sin can be cured. Broken branches can be restored. Disease can be cured. Now, in verse, um, uh, the scripture here, I can't remember, I'm not the scripture down. I don't know where I got it from. Um, but I wanted to share scripture with you. I pray that out of these glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power of the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. <coughs> And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Jesus' roots are deep enough for us all. Us all. We can be part of that tree because his roots, his love. It's just like what Charles was there, Charles was preaching about with the, the mother hen. You know, the wings of the chicken. Good enough, are big enough for the chicks. Jesus' roots, the nutrients he can provide, what God can provide, are big enough for the whole creation. They're big enough, certainly for our church. Exhaust emissions. Slide number eight. Let's read the scripture again in verse 45. A good man brings down things out of the uh, a good man brings good things out of the good store of his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil store of his heart. For their mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That may be a bit different in different versions. But uh, pollution, at the moment, it's a major world problem. You might have seen China on the news recently, and their cities. And they are really, really struggling to combat pollution in their cities. Volkswagen recently were in the news everywhere with cheating emissions, cheating their exhaust emissions so they look green and perfect. So they can sell more cars to conscientious people who want to drive around their cars but maybe sustain the, in the environment. But it's gotten to a point now in our world where we have to be careful what we breathe because of the result of what we have burned. An example here. This is China. That is not fog, that is smog. Not very nice, is it? Because of what they've burned is bad, effectively. You know, we all need energy, but at the end of the day, it comes with bad consequences. We are now careful what we breathe because of what we've burned. 
average. Now, you know, if you burn things like rubber, what does it look like? You burn rubber, it looks black, yeah. thick, homosexual. Do you want to put your face anywhere near that? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You're going to cough a lot, and you're going to struggle to breathe for a long time. I think you've your mouth full of it. What about pure, burning pure alcohol? How does that burn? Well, it combusts pretty well. Yeah, Compared, everything's got an emission, a little bit, you know, but it burns pretty well. It's because actually alcohol has actually got oxygen in it, so it helps you to burn. It's like any fuel, if you add oxygen to it, it burns nice, it burns well, it combusts cleaner. If you don't add a lot of uh, oxygen to it, you're burning, it burns more smoky. It's not very good, is it? We can be like that. We have to be careful what we're burning. What is our fuel? Now, some of us in this room are rather transparent. I'm that kind of guy, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm quite transparent. Others are very guarded and private, maybe. But our mouths will eventually tell us what is within. They will eventually reveal our hearts. If we pollute our minds, our hearts, we will admit bad emissions. And these emissions can affect everyone. Now Jesus is saying, listen carefully and you'll be able to tell what this person has still got inside. Our words reveal whether we like it or not. They reveal the condition of our hearts. What are we burning in our lives? What is our fuel? Is it pure? Is it wholesome? Is it godly? Are we praying and desiring the fruits of the Spirit we spoke about? Of love, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Or is it bad fuel fuel we're burning? Are we producing bad emissions, giving off nasty smoke like this? Jesus is instructing his disciples to listen carefully to a person's words, for they reveal his heart. But we have to ask ourselves that same question. Often it is said, we are what we eat. I think we are also what we speak. We can literally eat our own words, which can completely change our behaviour and our state of mind. Our, our words reveal our hearts. Then our words can change our hearts. And then it can be self-perpetuated. It's a bit like, you know, you've ever had this conversation like this where you, someone's a little bit upset. A little bit like disgruntled about something. They're a bit upset about something. And they start talking about it. And then as they're talking, you can see them getting more animated. And they go from being a little bit upset to a little bit angry. And by the end of the finish their conversation, they're absolutely furious with this person. And that person is actually speaking the words. The words are like coming out of his mouth. And they're being reconsumed. And they're eating their own words. They're fueling their own fire. It's self-perpetuating. No. Have you ever done that? I know I have. I've complained about something at work or, you know, with my wife. Now, as I've got, as I've got on, I've got more and more angry at them. Like, I wasn't that angry before. I know I'm pretty angry. <laughs> I've eaten my own words. You know, in Ephesians 4, 26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. It's actually not wrong to be angry. It's what you do with that anger, isn't it? And I think our words can play a massive part 
in what we do with our anger. Paul also writes in Ephesians 5, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. That's a good thought, isn't it? The next time you're angry with someone, take a moment to think, okay, this thought's going through my head. I don't want it to come out of my mouth. I don't want it to be self change? Could that change a relationship? Your know, words can lift or lower us spiritually. They can build or just destroy. I've got to get a book out of my bag. Um, one of my uh, good friends, Kate Edwards, <laughs> bought me a book, this book recently for Christmas. And I read the book and uh, one of the most impacting chapters in this book was a chapter um, entitled My Words. It's all about worship, this book. I have to say, when I first looked at the front of the book, I came in. I have to say, she's giving this book to a man. And it had this blonde, and I thought, oh, this is it. Oh, I thought, it was a bit wishy washy, it's a bit. Oh. <laughs> But actually, the book's really meaty. It's really, really meaty. I didn't realise this lady is um, one of the massive big Hillsong writers and composers. And um, actually, when you read about her life, um, she's got a meaty life and she's got a lot of conviction. So I'm going to borrow the book. You can borrow the book. But I'll have to back afterwards. Because it might happen with another sermon in the future. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to read this book before I finish off. Um, uh, uh, some of the things that really impacted me about words. It says, we can literally increase our joy, our own joy, by speaking the right words. We can also upset ourselves by talking unnecessarily about our problems or things that have hurt us in relationships. The words that come out of our mouth go into our own ears as well as other people's. And then they drop down into our soul. Whether they give us, where they give us either joy or sadness, peace or upset, depending on the types of words which have been spoken. God desires that our spirit be light and free, so it can be functioned properly, not heavy and oppressed. When we understand the power of our words and realise that we can choose what we think and speak, our lives can be transformed. We can learn to choose our thoughts, to resist wrong ones, and think on good, healthy, righteous ones. I have often said, where the mind goes, the man follows. And it could also be said that where the mind goes, the mouth follows. She then goes on to say, two really good examples of this. How our words can be an amplifier for our lives. I want to add one more important thought on the power of words to lift our mind. I've already, already hinted at it, but it needs to be stressed. Words amplify what's in our heart. A little, a little complaint against a dear one gets spoken recklessly and repeated until it becomes a torrent of criticism that wounds someone we love. Something little becomes a huge source of divisiveness. A small untruth is given breath in our words 
and becomes a serious breach of trust and damaging to our reputation. The little lie didn't seem like a big deal. We weren't even trying to gain much from it. But it becomes amplified and it puts a haze of suspicion over our relationship. We repeat a gossip to gossip and some about someone else in the church. Even as we speak it, we say it, may not or could be true. But the Pandora's box is open and the lid cannot be shut. We began, what began as something we considered harmless content savages our reputation and causes us to bear false witness against our neighbour. Conversely, a small positive thought about someone's potential that is softly spoken can be a driving force in a young person's success. We express words of thanksgiving for something God has done in us. It really wasn't a big deal in our minds, but someone who doesn't know the love of God hears it. And the spark of faith is planted in their heart, leading to a wonderful moment of salvation. You know, our words, if chosen carefully, can be built up, they can destroy. The religious leaders of the time, it seems to me, their words were designed to divide between sinner and non-sinner. And on many occasions their words were designed to catch people out in their sin. Especially Jesus. And many, many times where they, their words are designed to catch him out. Do our words do that? I know I do that sometimes. And my children and my wife. I catch them out. Ah, you see, you're wrong. Our words can be different. Our words can encourage, they can build up. They can be life-changing to our own lives and to others. We can bear good fruit. We can bear lasting eternal fruit. A life maybe even of zero emissions. And I believe that our missions depend greatly on the fuel we are burning. The tree and the roots that we are a part of and the wisdom to look at the telling evidence of our lives and the people's lives. Now the tree of Jesus is a super, super healthy tree with roots strong enough for us all. We can bear good fruit if we remain 